0: Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.
1: i'm rebecca roberts hi i'm harriet small welcome to have you got five minutes the pr comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at as an event or while making a brew in the office hi rebecca hi harriet how are you doing i'm all right so for this week i thought we would open with you know those glamorous industries that everyone wants to get into but when you're in there it's not as glamorous as it seems. So I'm talking about like fashion, beauty, sports, entertainment, and to an extent, politics and tech, where it all looks amazing from the outside, but when you're actually inside, it's a different story.
0: Yeah, like honestly, I think we've we've talked a bit before about people sort of wanting to have the placements, for example, like the graduate placement schemes and thinking they'd be amazing and like getting very little money. But yeah, people are often can be treated badly or paid really poorly or like running around. I know someone who was a publicist for a famous singer. And yeah, wow, that was bare minimum pay and just like not a very glitzy kind of lifestyle. But yeah, it I guess is what people want the CV really. They might have a preconceived idea like working in fashion must be like they get all the free clothes, but it's not like that at all.
1: They are long hours and it's a hard graft. So I'm thinking about things like fashion week, even if I'm thinking about like as a publicist for some of these beauty houses, all you're doing is sitting there sending out loads and loads and loads of samples. In the early days, don't get me wrong, like when you go further down the line, you start to work on nice things like campaigns and everything else. But even those, sometimes they're sent out to agency. So you're the in-house person and you may be not, get a chance to work on some of that stuff so it's always complicated with the dynamics it's really important that you ask the questions what will I actually be doing because you could be there sitting there just printing out labels send face creams to journalists and instagrammers and influencers and I'm not like saying it in a horrible way because I've been there I've worked in a fashion cupboard at, at magazines and yeah I know what that that side of it is like
0: yeah and like having worked in like football as well people are like oh I bet it's amazing like <laughs> I think you're like hanging out with the players and like watching matches like you're literally running around making sure like the journalists have everything they need like getting all the printouts of the teams and stuff like it's not and, and then things like, you know, if a manager... I remember Mourinho refusing to do an interview, right? So he, like, stormed out and he was not going to do any press. But all the journalists were like, well, we still need to record something. So they were like, can we record you saying Mourinho's not coming out? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I was like, so Mourinho's not going to do interviews. So they were like, what do you think he felt about the match today? I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to start speaking on his behalf. But I do think people assume a lot of things about roles don't they and I think it's just a reality like I've done like graduate talks where you talk about starting out in your career and and I worked in like for a sports organization which worked with Olympic athletes right so you get like young physios kind of saying well yeah so I want my career to be like this and you know but I want to work with a cycling team it's like guys you're gonna have to work up like they're not gonna just let you your first week your hands on Chris Hoy, like you're going to have to like prove your worth, kind of learn the graph, like obviously get paid for it. But again, I think there's that reality
1: check sometimes we need when we have like these dream careers, isn't there? And also the pay, I'm going to talk about the pay because just be honest, but the pay is not brilliant. Like I'm going to be honest because some of these industries that you look at and think, yeah, it's amazing. You know, I'm going to get free of this. Yeah. You can't, you can't pay your gas bill in, Shoes. Right, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It does happen. You can't ring up my like British Gas and be like, "Oh, can I pay you in shoes this month?" I got um, oh, my face cream. Yeah, face cream. Do you want some uh, lipstick? But and this isn't it? The pay is not that great. The progression maybe can be sometimes better, but that also you have to be really smart and savvy because it is very very competitive everyone wants to 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 get ahead so it's about planning your career path really really well and those are the industries where you sort of really need to find people who are going to be supporting you and championing you and also the emotional side you need people you're going to be able to talk to because sometimes in these industries and I'm not saying this as if any other industry is better but some of these industries people can be quite harsh you know I've worked in politics a long time and I know how people can be behind the scenes in in politics and it can be it can be self-destroying if you're not thick-skinned
0: and I think it's always having an eye on like those connections and where next I know someone who worked for a film PR company quite a big one and the woman there like she was basically like devil's wear prada like she would say go out and get a card for my friend's birthday came back didn't like it and they made them go back five times this store deliberately just to kind of belittle and make them feel awful and it's like what are you what are you doing like that's not you're not going to develop your career there like they're just taking the mick out of you like to make you feel awful and i think there is a a lot of that i'm not saying that you just got to take that at all but i think it's just recognizing. Where the value of different roles, because everyone has to like start at the bottom or gain experience. But I think it's just recognizing when to move on or when something's not working because they were like, actually, yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm going to call it out and just find something else. So I think there is a lot to, to be said about getting those experiences and also just being open to saying, like, can I come and find out more about your organization and kind of I'm not saying do it for free, but like, there is a lot to be said to certainly when I was starting out, like, can I come and find out more about your team and learn from them? And then any opportunity offered, like, oh, like, like if you wanted to work at this event, we could second, yeah, okay, put your hand up for stuff. And I think not just because you want to do the free work and develop your CV, but you really understand what you actually want from a job and what kind of company or what elements of PR or marketing and comms you actually like. Because I don't think you know that as a graduate. You're like, you kind of think you do, but then until you've actually worked it, you're not quite sure. So I think like definitely it's worth just trying to get experience in lots of different areas just to work it out for yourself, not to... It's not for the companies, it's for for your own self.
1: Yeah, so it's not every day where it's glitz and glamour and and calipes and cocktails and all these fancy things or where you're at Cannes Film Festival and the Emmys and the Oscars. But I think also it's important to think about ways in And and I know internal communicators are probably going to be like, why is she saying that? But sometimes internal comms is a nice avenue in some of these nice industries and some of these nice organisations because you get the best of both worlds. You get to learn how the company works. You get to enjoy some of these amazing things. But at the same time, you see whether this is a space for you, whether this is an industry for you. And it is a really good avenue especially in-house to explore the whole organisation and to understand the business of it and then if you do want to transition into PR or public affairs or the corporate side at least you've had that focus and that lens on the whole thing and, and I and I say that being somebody who's done that in a certain industry and, and in TV and media when I was at another company it is a good grounding and also, if you if you feel you can't handle that sort of the tough side of media relations or press desk, but you still want to work in those industries, it is a good sort of space to be in.
0: Yeah, definitely. I also think, like, sometimes in the really high profile industries, you might not get as much space to do a particular area of comms and PR, like, I know... Like in sport, it might be like well you, or even in journalism, like well you can write this or do this one little part. Whereas you might move to another sector that might not be quite as high profile, but you then get to do everything. So I went from like Premiership football, and I went, then I got a job in volleyball, which is really relatively small sport in this country. But I did everything, like I was in a magazine, like learning a lot more. And then the twenty twelve Olympics got announced, and suddenly I was then traveling with the British squad and doing some other stuff and developing like my skills, and then made a bigger job move afterwards because I'd done so much more. So I think it's a real balance around like when you jump in your career because you might work in a, a great sector but not get much responsibility or much kind of areas for growth. And I think sometimes you have to weigh that up. And like then I'd done stuff previously in my career like manufacturing and it was not exciting or glitzy, but in terms of tech writing and trade press, really great experience. So I think sometimes you have to weigh those things up because You may think, well, I want to go for that kind of industry because I love it. But actually, if you're not going to develop your own skills, you might get quite stuck. And I know quite a lot of people who get really frustrated because they've just not been given that opportunity because those top jobs, when people get them, they're not going to leave. So um, I think sometimes you have to balance
1: that up. Yeah. And also sometimes it's about looking at what else is around the industry that could be great. So, for example, if you take travel and aviation, there's the regulator. So you could work for the regulator, but still have great relationships with the travel companies, the tour companies, and still see that industry firsthand. So you could be at sort of the CAA, which I've been at, and and you and you see how that industry works, and, and you see it firsthand. So there are those industries, for example, that are in the supply chain that actually make a huge difference, and you can actually see things fronthand. If you look at academia, for example, if you go and and say I don't know London School of Fashion, for example, you see the fashion industry firsthand. You don't have to be in it but you see everything about it you build the connections and you make a decision whether it's for you or it's not for you but then you're not dealing with all the pressures and and all the stress and you've got more time to think about actually do I really want to be in this industry and in this machine and the same goes for politics you can work in local government which is actually a fantastic ground to learn politics to learn about communities and to learn about people and how the government works but you're not at the centre of everything in Westminster and with the cabinet and you make a good decision of whether that's for you or not so there are other avenues of exploring things without going right at the center of it yeah and I, and I have to mention stuff like what you could do in your spare time like
0: voluntary stuff so nia was talking about the stuff she did the other week and i think actually sometimes you can be in the right sector and like your job but feel like something's missing and sometimes then you can it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean you have to change up you could say well actually i'm gonna get more from volunteering or mentoring or or doing something else to enhance my skills in a certain area that's maybe totally unrelated and I think that has real merit and can kind of make you feel really fulfilled at work it doesn't I think sometimes we look to our work job being absolutely everything we could ever wish for and sometimes you have to be realistic and go actually if I could volunteer here that might give me the skills I need to then apply in another work context so yeah I think you just got to stay motivated I think just keep looking for ways to feel like you're doing the stuff you want to do (laughs)
1: So, this week we're joined by Brenda Juliet. Brenda is the head of publicity at My Black Book, the exclusive black owned music PR agency crossing worlds between online print and everything in between. She started her career with a placement at a top global agency, which led to a full time position working on clients including McAfee and Qualcomm. At Nelson Bodstock Unlimited, Brenda worked on a catalogue of predominantly B2C clients including YouTube, Urbanista, share now brenda runs a women empowerment platform girls in power a brand dedicated to providing support to those with aspirations of gaining roles within creative industries over the last few years girls in power has worked in partnership with brands including cobalt music bmi enj brandy vampino and has been supported by the likes of barclays bank red bull music hennessy uk and youtube music Welcome to the show, Brenda. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you both? We're good. We're good. So, music PR... What are the misconceptions?
2: That everyone thinks it's all glitz and glam. It's fun. I can definitely say it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. But there's a lot of work that goes into it. Naturally, PR is quite a difficult position if, you know, it's something that you're starting off in. But where I've done it for a number of years and had the opportunity to work both in the corporate space and now more the consumer slash entertainment space, I think I've had the chance to kind of learn the small bits that you need to know when entering in the industry and just being able to, you know, translate those things that I've learned into into music. But, I mean... It is fun. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put a down on it. It is fun. It's a lot of fun.
1: So, what foundations have you built at My Black Book in terms of like representing clients and the way you work?
2: So, there's two of us. It's myself and my partner, friend, co-founder Giovanna. So, what we like to do is basically make sure that we're building relationships with our clients. So, it's not just a case where we have somebody that is either recommended to us or comes to us and just asks us what our services are. Like, we like to. Sit down, have a conversation, get to know you know themselves as artists, get to know what they're looking for in a campaign. Just understand what their bigger vision is as well, aside from the campaign. Just to make sure that whatever we're bringing to the table, it kind of adds to the wider picture. So I like to say that we do bring a lot of transparency, a lot of client building relationships, just making sure that there's a lot of unity in a sense where we're working with the client as opposed to just doing the work and saying this is what you must do so we like to work collaboratively between ourselves and the client.
0: And talking about music media what are the channels or outlets that people don't use enough to get coverage for their artists?
2: Everything's pretty much online now so I feel like there's a lot of lines that are blurred so naturally it would be you know social media. Social media I don't feel like is utilised enough in a sense, where you can translate press onto online platforms. So using things like Instagram Lives, that helps you connect more with your fans. And where we were literally... In a pandemic, well, we still are in a pandemic, but where we were in lockdown and there was a lot of people doing online performances and live performances, that gave listeners and fans the chance to stay connected in a time where it was just so difficult to be able to go to live performances and be able to listen to your favourite songs in live setting. So I definitely feel like Instagram should be utilised a little bit more. I don't think people do use it enough, but there's new platforms now, such as TikTok. We don't really cross over too much on the social channels just mainly because that touches more in the marketing space but I definitely feel like things like TikTok and Instagram so there's a lot of like visual capitalization everywhere now so I feel like just utilizing all the new avenues is definitely worth giving it a go
0: yeah and I guess it depends on the artist like Twitch I've seen some really interesting stuff on Twitch about like how artists can connect with their fans and even like in gaming like my kids like play Roblox obsessively and they're like oh there's this gig it's exclusive You're like that is mad but it's kind of the future and I guess you know you mentioned it a little bit there but I guess you've always had a passion for up-and-coming artists in this last few years that kind of the curtains been pulled down on tv talent shows and you know talent have used online platforms to kind of build that audience what examples have you seen of up-and-coming artists like leveraging social media
2: I think Clubhouse was a good one although it was you know it had its it's high, I think, during the end of last year. I think people are still understanding, you know, the difference that it makes. I think it's nicer because it's not a visual platform. And a lot of people don't always like being in front of the camera, but they do like putting themselves out there. I think it kind of strips it back a little bit and gives it more the organic approach and more, you know, something that's a little bit more raw in that sense. Being able to just sit there and sing a song to a room full of people that understand you and the fact that Clubhouse allows random people to enter rooms just means it's a lot more accessibility so I feel like things like Clubhouse is definitely a key one
1: and so people who are musicians or or artists are creatives in their own right so how do you get that balance when you're talking to them about branding themselves and creating narratives that they can use when they're doing interviews or pitching them and helping them to keep that authenticity but also recognising that when they are speaking to journalists there's a certain way in which they've got to sort of sell themselves or pitch themselves how do you get that balance right?
2: I feel like it's just all about being yourself as an artist obviously it is about adaptation and being able to adapt to current trends that are on social and in the media and etc but you know naturally it boils down to just being who you are and that's what makes you stand out from another artist like there's never going to be another you like that's how you just have to think about it and you in yourself are a USB so I think what we like to do, as I said earlier on, is we like to sit down with our artists and understand what they like to do aside from the music. So being able to bring a little bit more of yourself to the table, it will separate you from other people because you're not all the same. I've had artists that say, I don't like watching football or I don't like playing video games and I just like to be in the studio all day. And there's others that I like. I can write a song on my phone. It takes me 20 minutes. There's always something, you know, that's different to another artist. And I think that translates well in interviews so I think when we do get artists to do interviews with the media we don't like them to take anything away from themselves there's just things that we obviously say you know if you don't want to talk about this just stay away from it or just say like you'd rather not answer the question but I feel like it's not my role to tell an artist to strip themselves back to in order to present themselves a particular way in in the industry so yeah, I, I don't think it's I have any advice in a sense where how do you speak to media and then how do you be yourself outside of the media? Because there's no way of doing that because that's, that's my job as a publicist. My job as a publicist is to put you out there but in the right way while creating the right stories that fit you.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think also is that if someone's been held back especially at the beginning they'll then change as they sort of settle in and then there'll be this shock of it's difficult to maintain the facade and also you're suppressing somebody and that and that also has its own implications in their mental health or how they feel about doing interviews as well they just that. I don't want to do that because it just makes me feel like I have to be somebody that I'm not And I guess we've seen that in sports a lot.
2: But that in itself is fine. I think I've had artists that we've worked with that don't necessarily like doing interviews. Like, I think for us, it's difficult because we're always the middle person. So I could pitch out an artist and then present the, the media opportunity to them and then be like I don't want to do it and as damaging as it can be like in terms of the relationship between myself and a journalist it's like you have to you know you just have to understand respect the artist and if they're not comfortable doing it they're just not comfortable doing it but that in itself just shows you the type of artist that they are and I feel like there's always going to be something that they'd want to speak about like passionately it's just you have to create that relationship in order for them to open up to you for them to feel comfortable to put that out there. So it's just being personable, I think. And
1: with things going back to a sort of sense of normality and us slowly coming out of um, a lot of the restrictions, how are you positioning your clients, especially as we've lost a lot of summer 2021 festival seasons, not going to be like what it used to be because we've lost, well, even more than half of it?
2: I think the live industry in itself, I think they have kind of adjusted to the situation because a lot of the festivals that naturally would have taken place now, so let's say wireless, for example, wireless is usually the first few days of July. And obviously those first few days have passed and it's not happened. They've moved to festival to September so they've got a lot of artists on the bill this year not enough females I do want to say not not enough women on the lineup but I know that's a different conversation for a different day but yeah I feel like naturally as the world begins to open up a little bit more you'll see normality happening so I've seen a few of our artists have done a few performances in lockdown they were doing a lot of like online sort of Instagram ones as well I think that was more towards the beginning of lockdown when you know, it was just to keep the momentum going and just making, you know, listeners and fans realise that they're they're still around. But I think now that everyone's kind of adapted to lockdown and adapted to working from home, I think people understand that there's not, going to be as many performances straight away. I don't feel like it's been so much of a downfall for artists right now. I think for them, it's more about creating the right music and using press, so like ourselves, to kind of translate that in the media. I think naturally it's been a little bit more of a job just because there's a lot more press to churn out. There's a lot more releases to push, but it's fine. People always need music, so...
0: (laughs) And tell us a little bit about how Girls in Power was born.
2: Oh, Girls in Power... I naturally have a passion for, for music, for anything creative, but the industry is very male dominated. I've been in the industry since 2010. I started off as a music blogger, but naturally I built a lot of relationships with a lot of different people in different fields. So it being like photographers, videographers, producers, writers, songwriters, you name it. And I had a lot of people that basically just said, you know, Brenda, I know that you know quite a few people, are you able to help me speak to someone about this or speak to someone about that and then I naturally got my first job in PR and that year was just like such a positive year for me and I just felt like I wanted to Give that same energy to other people. So, I did an event, and the event itself was actually called Girls in Power. But I literally wanted it to be a panel of women that speak about how they got into their roles just to encourage other women to do the same. Because it was just such a success, the feedback was literally like, we just need a lot more of these. Can we have a lot more of these? And so, the following year, I just dedicated the year to just building it as a brand, and it literally just went from strength to strength. And yeah it's been my baby ever since. <laughs> and like it's lovely to hear you talk about it because like
0: what is it you feel like what makes you look at it so fondly like what is there a key moment are there just what do you love most about it?
2: I think just the fact that it is such a support system that I didn't realise a lot of people needed or wanted as I said it was it was meant to be a one-off event but a lot of the feedback was just that they you know they wanted more of these so I felt like it was something that I knew that I was able to do it was just making it consistent enough for it to be a brand in itself which it is now so I feel like just looking back I think I'm just happy that I've been able to help people come together I've I've had a a lot of people come to me and say I met this person through one of your events I know this person because of you and it's just quite mind-blowing to know that something that I've created has created another bond just between another two three people so
0: I think that's what I'm most proud of I say you're like a proud mum. I love that I'm I think a baby and me. now this is like parents evening well done mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> when are you doing a brunch because you know me I like a bit of um breakfast and David's skin <laughs>
2: uh do you know we actually did a brunch you know we did a brunch I think it was obviously not last year the year before we did it with um and they provided food for us so we do want to do it again we do want to do it again we also did one with absurd bird and they provided food so we've done we've done a few so hopefully a few more in the near future i am doing some planning so hopefully sooner rather than later yeah you know where to find me for that (laughs) you'll be the first to know don't worry (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, funny. what advice do you have for anyone who's thinking about getting into music PR whether they're doing something different at the moment or they're working another part of the industry or they're just new in the industry and, and I guess also that perception of you have to know everything about music PR before you get into it so what advice would you give someone
2: well, I definitely feel like you don't need to know everything about music PR before getting into it because I feel like you learn something new every day. There's no day in PR that's ever the same. I'm sure you both know that it can get crazy. One day it can be very quiet, one day it could be the busiest day that you've probably seen so I feel like as long as you're passionate about music passionate about you know getting artists to the next level like you know that you are somebody that can put themselves out there just go above and beyond be creative I don't feel like there is you know a checklist of things that you need to know before you get into the field itself and I say that mainly because my career is based off like the passion for it because I was literally in tech PR for like three four years before I made the jump to music PR and now I have my own company. So yeah, I genuinely don't feel like you need to go out there and do tons and tons of research. I feel like you just need to have the passion, you know, just be proactive, build your contacts, network, put yourself out there. I've said it already, but just be proactive.
1: Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with harriet at comsovercoffee.com or
0: myself, Rebecca, at threadandfable.com.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRoberts7 or at HarrietSmallZ.
0: Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.